Welcome back to the Tipping Point Show. I'm Mark Hitchcock, and this week marked the end, as many of you know, of, of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, Rosh Hashanah, many of you know this as well, means uh, the first or the head of the year. It's the, the Jewish New Year. Um, it's uh, the Feast of Trumpets. It uh, falls on the, the first day of Tishri on the Hebrew calendar, and it's called the Feast of Trumpets because uh, one of the things that happens uh, during this festival known as uh, Rosh Hashanah is the blowing of, uh, of the shofar, shofar, the ram's horn. Uh, but this Rosh Hashanah begins 10 days of awe that the Jewish call this, the lead up to the Day of Atonement, the most solemn day on the Jewish year, um, which is uh, Yom Kippur. Um, clearly, uh, feast of, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, like all the other Jewish feasts, is filled with prophetic significance. And uh, many relate this to uh, the rapture of the church, uh, that the rapture of the church will happen on the Feast of Trumpets. Now, that doesn't mean every year when the Feast of Trumpets passes by that the rapture can't happen for another year. Um, I believe the rapture can happen at any moment. Nobody knows uh, the timing of the Lord's coming. And uh, what we need to do is uh, we move into uh, the, the months ahead is remember that the, the pieces of the prophetic puzzle continue to move into place with Israel and globalism and what we see happening in the Middle East with Russia and Iran. Uh, the velocity of the setting of the prophetic stage continues. And we need to continue to be prepared for the coming of Jesus Christ. On a special version of today's Tipping Point show, uh, we're sharing a clip uh, for our Tipping Point uh, prophecy from our tip, Tipping Point Prophecy Conference. And in this clip, uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans is sharing um, how we should wait for the Lord and how what we should do to prepare ourselves uh, for what's next. If you'd like to see this full session um, from Pastor Jimmy Evans, sign up as a subscriber today at endtimes.com. Enjoy this clip. Um, I know you will. Let me bring just a short word here, and this, this is called, If Jesus Tarries. I wanna just consider for just a minute what happens if Jesus doesn't return next week. Now, I'm voting for Jesus to return next week. Okay, okay, so you, you heard me this morning. I just wanna be responsible, though, because it's possible that he doesn't come in. And if he doesn't come next week, you cannot have your money back. Yes. <laughs> Period, don't even call us. <clears throat> so, I wanna kinda of tag on to Pastor Ed's message. If, if Jesus doesn't come this year, is for a reason. And the reason that I believe if he doesn't come, that he won't come, is because he wants more people to come to heaven. Now, everything that you do on earth, you can do better in heaven, every single thing. We can worship better in heaven, we can relate to each other better in heaven, we can learn better in heaven. Everything we do, we can do better in heaven, except lead another person to Christ. That's the only thing we cannot do better than heaven. And so, if Jesus tarries, I believe it's for the purpose of us taking more people to heaven with us, which is very important. Here's, here's some downsides of end time teaching. I've been you know, studying end time teaching for 48 years and so I obviously believe in it. But here's some of the downsides. One is date setting, and that is getting so fixated on a date that when it doesn't occur, we lose our credibility and it breaks our heart. And see, that's what I don't want for anyone that sits under my teaching is, I want us to anticipate you know, trumpets, I want us to anticipate Christ's return. But if Jesus doesn't return, I'm not gonna be depressed, I will be discouraged. The day, the day after you know, Rosh Hashanah, I'll have to get myself a little pep talk. <laughs> it's okay, Jimmy, it's gonna be all right. But I'm gonna be okay, but I won't be depressed. But when you get so fixated on a date, it gets dangerous. The other, the other problem with end times teaching is fatalism. 
And that is just not, but by the way, the world is, that's why I call my book Tipping Point, the world is beyond redemption. The Antichrist spirit is here. The Antichrist system is here. The Antichrist himself, I believe, is here. I believe he's on the world stage. I believe he's an adult. I believe he's ready to step into a position of power right now. And so I I believe we're here. So fatalism just says we can't make a difference, so let's just navel gaze until Jesus comes. You know, let's just let's just wait, wait until Jesus comes. So I want to talk about in your world, there are things that are irredeemable in my world also, but there are people who are redeemable. If Jesus tarries and Pastor Ed to you know pass out the lifesavers there and ask you to consider a person, you have someone in your world that's not saved. I absolutely know that. And so I want to talk about how to lead a person to Christ, how Karen and I have done this for many years. Now, some people are just ready to talk about Jesus. Some people want to talk about the end times, and so that, that's an easy thing. The reason I think that people get so uh, afraid of witnessing is because they don't realize witnessing is not what you do, it's who you are. And so here's the way I lead people to Christ. Now, if I'm preaching somewhere like this and I give an altar call and people get saved, you know, that's different. But personally, here's the way that Karen and I lead people to Christ. Now, right now, Karen is this close to leading her nail girl to Jesus. Okay. And so if, if you're around my wife, you're going to get saved. Okay. It's just a matter of time. But here's the way that we witness to people. We love you. When I've got a friend right now, cusses like a sailor, just as just lost as he could possibly. He could not be more lost. Okay. It's a guy I do business with. I've done business with him for a long time. He doesn't care if I'm a preacher. He uses all the words. He, t- he tells me dirty jokes and all that kind of stuff like that. And I just laugh and love, you know, love on him, you know, and pat on him. I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting for him to go into crisis. And when he goes into crisis, because everybody's going to go through a bad day or a bad whatever, and when he goes through a, a crisis, I'm going to be his best friend. When everybody else is running away, I'm going to show up. And what I'm going to say to him is, I want to tell you what Jesus did for me. See, witnessing is not what you do, it's who you are. See, I don't, know, I, I don't have to know how to build a car to be a witness to an automobile accident. The only thing I have to do is tell you what I saw. So I don't have... I'm not gonna talk difficult theology with a person. There there are sheep that are saved, there's fish that are not saved. Don't talk theology with a fish. They they can't understand it. And they'll come and say, well, what about all the starving people in Africa? You know, what about, why would a loving God send people to hell? And here's what I say, I don't know about that, but I just wanna tell you what Jesus did for me. I was here and I cried out to Jesus and Jesus came and changed my life. And in your circumstance that you're in right now, You need Jesus Christ in your life. And so right now in your world, there is someone who needs Jesus. And I'm saying, yes, I totally agree with you that the world is irredeemable, but there are people in your world that are redeemable. And we need to look at those people. If Jesus tarries, it's for those people. Let me say, for those people who are not saved and they get left behind, they will go through seven years of hell. In fact, they really won't go through seven years of hell. They probably will die before they get to the end of the tribulation. They'll be martyred by the Antichrist. They'll die in a judgment. And God in his mercy, if Jesus tarries, God in his mercy is for the purpose of those people being redeemed. So I I just want to look for just a minute, just very quickly, uh, about 10 minutes, what, ha- what do we do until Jesus comes? And I want to give, give you three things. Number one is stay clothed in the full armor of God. 
And this is Ephesians 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rooters of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, this is what we're doing. We're withstanding in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Well, here, here's a Roman soldier. This is what Paul was talking about when he's talking about put on the whole armor of God. This is a Roman soldier. And I just kind of want to talk through this armor here and kind of help you understand. If we're going to stay in the, in the if we're going to be able to stand in the evil day, we're living in the evil day, and there are believers falling right and left. If we're going to stand in the evil day, that's what the devil needs to see when he looks at you. See? And without this, what Paul is saying here is we're not battling against people. We have spirit, demonic spirits that are attacking our lives and our children's lives. What, be dressed in the full armor of God. So let me talk to this armor real quick. It says, have your waist girded with truth. Now you notice there the belt around his waist and that's where the sheath is where he's gonna put his sword, okay? So this is your walk. Your waist is your walk, it's how you walk. I've made a decision, I'm gonna walk in the truth. My life is gonna be based on truth. Now listen, if I'm walking in truth, there's a place for the word of God in my life. There's a sheath for the word of God in my life. If I'm not walking in truth, there's no place for the word. That's right. Also, this is the area of our body where we reproduce and eliminate. When I'm walking in truth, I reproduce truth and eliminate error. When I'm walking in error, I reproduce error and eliminate truth. So I've made a decision, I'm gonna walk in truth. And this is a very important thing in my fight against the devil. It says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The devil wants to condemn you for all, everything that you've done wrong, constantly attack you with condemnation and, and tear you down about yourself. I am righteous by the blood of Jesus. Someone said one time, every time the devil comes to condemn you, begin to praise Jesus for his blood. Grace is about Jesus, not about me. The law is about me, grace is about Jesus. I'm gonna, every time the devil comes against me, I'm gonna remind myself I'm only righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is what protects my vital organs. I have my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I live to preach the gospel. The, the foundation of my life is to preach the gospel. Listen to me, your identity is what the devil wants to steal. And the purpose of your life is what he wants to steal. I don't live to make money. I don't live to spend money. I don't live for this earth. I live for a king and a kingdom and to preach the gospel of peace to as many people as I can before Jesus returns. I have an eternal purpose. My identity is not in this world. My purpose is not in this temporal world. My identity is in the kingdom of God. And when I live in, Pastor Ed was passing out those lifesavers, and challenging us to think eternally is to the purpose, the foundation of my life is not a temporal purpose, it is an eternal purpose. And it says, take the, take the shield of faith. Look, the shield there is a, it's not a hubcap, it's a full body shield. And the, the, the shield, faith, and this is what First uh, John 5, 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcome the world, our faith. In the midst of everything that's happening in the world, I have to believe that God is bigger than the devil. 
I have to believe he's bigger than my giants. He's bigger than my mountains. He's bigger than my problems. I have to have a shield of faith. Every time the devil comes and attacks me with something, I have to have faith as a shield to come against that. And it says the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And notice they go together. The sword and the helmet go together. I have to think according to the word. I have to hear, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I have to speak according to the word. Jesus defeated the devil himself with three scriptures in Matthew four in the wilderness. And I have to, I have to do everything I do according to the word of God in order to be victorious. And so I'm saying we are living in the most evil day in human history. And this is what the apostle Paul tells us to put on right there. And so every day when we wake up, and this is something that you can read in Ephesians 6 just to remind yourself, every day when we wake up, understand when you leave the house naked, you're an open target for the devil. He's gonna attack your mind, he's gonna attack your, your identity, he's going to attack you with condemnation. But when you have the armor of God on, you're gonna be able to stand. Here's the, the, so the first thing is be clothed with the armor of God. The second is stay committed to church. Now, Pastor Ed was talking about this, but I wanna talk about it just a minute. Hebrews 10, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. That's the rapture, that's the day of Jesus. So much more. Don't forsake the assembling of yourself together, but come together and encourage each other. Now, how many of you will leave here today encouraged by seeing so many people that are like-minded with you. It's encouraging. The devil wants you off by yourself. COVID did something that's never been done before. We began to see each other as the enemy. I would rather be infected by a believer in church and die than stay at home alone. And I mean that. I don't wanna live in fear. I don't wanna live alone. And so we need each other. And what the writer of Hebrews here is saying is, and as you see the day of Jesus approaching, you're gonna need that much more. Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Now, so this is where we go to church and when we're here as a family, we sit right back there with our granddaughters and our grandsons. And our children need church today more than ever before in the history of the world. And there are parents, and I really get frustrated at this, and there are parents that teach their children this mantra. You need to get an education, you need to get a career and get an education and get a career and get an education and get a career. Well, I think it's important, obviously, to get an education. Send your children to one of the woke universities so they can be indoctrinated in Marxism. And that's what's happening on a lot of college campuses today. We sent our granddaughters, Karen and I paid for our granddaughters, our twin granddaughters, to go to a conservative Christian college last year and they got there and they started teaching them critical race theory. And we then realized that Christian college had just gone woke. And so I'm saying, your children don't need an education like that. They do need an education. You have to be more careful than ever right now of where your children are going to school, what they're being taught and what they're doing on social media. Yes. It can undo everything you're doing. So we sit here in this church, a Bible-believing church, and we sit back there with our son and daughter-in-law and our three grandkids and Pastor Ed, we're, we're dealing with issues with the kids. Brent and Stephanie are son and daughter-in-law. They're dealing with issues with the kids. And he's sitting there amening the parents. What he's preaching from the, I, I can't tell you what it means. And I see my grandkids, they're glued to him when he's preaching. And I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking to myself, thank God we're in church. The kids are, 
You know, kids don't have kitty demons. There's no junior demons assigned to your child. They're real demons that are coming against your children. And we are the gatekeeper of their lives. And if there's ever, I remember one time, because back in my day, you never played sports on Wednesday or Sunday because of church. Somebody here remembers that. And I remember the first time I was driving down the street and I saw a soccer game on Sunday morning. I almost drove off the, the road. It, it, it was years ago because nothing's sacred to the world today. But it needs to be to us. And when we, our kids were growing up, here's what we told them. Church is essential. End of conversation. And we didn't take them every time the door was open, but they went on Sundays and they went to youth group the whole time that they were growing up. And now they raise their children the same way. And so, and we also sent them to private education, Christian education, because we were dealing with a lot of bad stuff even back then. And so some people can't do that. You've got to be careful, but I'm saying we need church more than we've ever needed church. And when the wolf is looking for a sheep, when the wolf is looking for a sheep, he's looking for the one by himself. And so he wants to get you offended, get you alone, get you lazy or whatever. And so, and I know a lot of people watch from home and, and that's great when that's all you can do. But one of the essential doctrines of the Christian faith is the doctrine of laying on of hands. It's in Hebrews chapter six. Let me tell you what that means. Everything in the kingdom of God is relationally transferred. It takes touch to get the fullness of what God has for us. It takes church, it takes each other. Well, thanks for watching this uh, clip. As a reminder, uh, for access to the full session and uh, thousands of other great End Times resources and videos, become a subscriber at endtimes.com. It's, it's just $7 a month or $77 a year. It'll be one of the, the best investments in your spiritual life you've ever made.